You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue, episode 150. And I could not be more excited for this landmark episode than to unveil this new set for those watching the videos online. Then my guest today, a man who needs no introduction, he is Purdue legend and my fellow region rat, Robbie Hummel. Robbie, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm terrific, man. I cannot be more excited about this interview. Uh, I'm so grateful for your time. I know you're a busy guy, so thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, no, happy to be on. I have to say, though, before we go, and this is a red shirt, but it's a USA shirt, so I, <laughs> <laughs> just to clear that up before, before we get going, there so I go. know uh, there's no hard feelings amongst anybody out there. Hey, nothing wrong with wearing the red when it has to do with the good old red, white, and blue, so. And speaking of, let's start there. You know, three on three has been a big part of your uh, post Purdue career here. You're currently uh, in uh, Carolina right now for three on three workouts and tryouts. Uh, talk about that. What's going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, my, my playing days are, are kind of coming down to a, a close here as I've, I'm now 33 years old, which is crazy. Um, but I, I am playing three on three this year. We, we played in Tokyo um, a couple weeks ago and got second in a really big tournament, which was great. And then we were in Serbia um, last week and, and, didn't, and we lost in the quarterfinals in a tough game. So I played in two events. Um, this is this year's iteration of the World Cup, which we won in 2019. So this is the, uh, the 2022 version here. Um, so the tryout is actually at Duke. Um, we, we've been in their practice facility. I was kind of hoping we'd be in Cameron. I've, I've been to Cameron, but I've never played at Cameron uh, okay. because Duke came to us in the Big Ten AC Challenge in 09. So, but it was cool. Like, I, you know, I, I've known John Shire a long time. He came through practice today um, with their staff. So it was good to see him. Um, it's funny with John, you know, I've known him since high school and he was on the Illinois Warriors, which that team was very associated. I was with SYF out of Gary. And the two guys that ran the organizations, Larry Butler ran the Warriors and James Dye ran SYF were really close. And I think the Warriors had a really big impact on getting SYF actually a Nike deal. So we played them all the time. Like I, I've played John a ton. I always joke with them. He, he won all the games that meant something. and I always beat him in the games that didn't mean it. <laughs> like we beat him in AAU uh, the two times or three times we played him um they beat us in the big 10 ac challenge they beat us in the sweet 16 i beat them in a game in spain that you know who cares <laughs> like the games i wanted to win against them unfortunately we didn't but it was good to see him um the tryout rolls for the next couple of days we'll be here and um, and the team that they pick will go on to uh to france to play in this uh kind of a tune-up event it's it's in voiron um which is kind of near the alps actually okay uh, we've gone there every time before uh before we've gone on a trip, this place is always hosting kind of tune-up events. Um, and then the team will go on to, uh, I believe it's in Antwerp, Belgium. So. Awesome, man. Well, that's cool. Talk about how the 3-3 three and three came about. Because I know you kind of retired in 2017 from professional basketball. And then a couple of years later, you're doing this thing and winning a, you know, a World Cup. So talk about how that came about. Yeah, I, I don't know if you remember uh, Craig Moore from Northwestern. Mm. Craig was there. Uh, he was there my my freshman and sophomore year. He's a really good player for them. And uh, we became friends just kind of through playing against each other. And then he lived in Chicago for a little bit after school. Um, so I'd see him up there in the summers. And uh, he was a guy that always would check in 
regardless whether I was in the NBA or I was overseas, you know, if I played good, he'd always be the guy that's like, hey, way to play or a great job or whatever. And if I didn't play, you know, are you hurt? Did you piss the coach <laughs> off? You know, what, what's going on? Um, so he'd always check up on me. And, you know, he knew that I was pretty unhappy playing in Moscow over in Russia. And during the summer, a couple of times, he hit me up, hey, where'd you sign? Haven't signed yet. You know, where'd you sign? Haven't signed yet. <laughs> August comes along. And he, he was saying, well, where are you going? I told him, dude, I've had enough. I, I'm not going back. I had some offers to go to Israel, Spain. You know, I just, I can't do it. Like I, after the Russia deal, I can't go back. My own mental health. Um, and he, he gave me the speech on, you know, the real world stinks and, and play as long as you can. And fortunately I lined up stuff with ESPN and Big Ten Network. So that was kind of already in, in motion. And he kind of saw that and, it's like, all right, well, if you're not going to play, you know, this might fit into your schedule. Well, play through and through this. Mm-hmm. And I was skeptical <laughs> because it's like, all right, we're going to fly across the world and play all over the place. And it's going to be a minimum of two. I mean, if you don't make it a pool, you're playing two 10 minute games and then you're done. And <laughs> at, the, at the most, let's say you, you win the thing, you play five 10 minute games. So you're going to tell me that we're going to fly to Seoul and Tokyo and Amsterdam and all over the world to play 50 minutes of basketball maximum. And it's free. And, you know, like <laughs> give me the math here. I don't understand the math. Um, so he luckily there we had a really Johnster. Um, his name is John Rogers. He played basketball at Princeton. He's the CEO of a investment company called Aerial Investments in Chicago. He has been the reason this has been financially possible. And then once you get into the top 10, you know, FIBA takes over for some costs. USA basketball has helped with some costs, but John has been the catalyst for us to be able to play. Um, but honestly, the only reason I went on the first trip is I'd never been to Asia. <laughs> so that's like the first tournament in Seoul, they needed a player. I was like, if I hate it, I'll just never go again. You know, <laughs> no harm, no foul. I just won't go. Um, but I've never been to Seoul, so I'll, I'll go. And that now I've, you know, it's been an unbelievable way to travel the world. I've been to some incredible places. I've been to some not so incredible places with this um, sport. But it, it's been a good time. I love to play. Um, unfortunately, I'm starting to feel older and older as I, you know, you're not getting by people like you were. Here at the tryout, there's some guys that are, they play in the G League. And there's some rebounds where I'm like, dude, I'm not even in the conversation for this rebound here. You know, it's, it's humbling. It's really humbling. That's awesome. I know you, you want, we kind of mentioned you won the gold in 2019 in the world cup. Talk about just that experience. It kind of probably made it all worth it, right? All this the work you put into it. Yeah. And the, the main goal was the Olympics. Unfortunately, you know, we didn't get to, to play in that because of the OQT and the way that it went down. Um, and it was, you know, with Canyon's injury the day before we left, and there there were some things that were out of our control. Um, but still, you know, you, you got to go over there and you got to perform. And we we weren't able to win that quarterfinal game against the Netherlands. And um, but yeah, the World Cup in 2019, I look at it as one of the, the most fun basketball experiences of my life. I, I think that the, the team chemistry we have with the four guys, the the group alongside of, of the USA basketball people that were there, the trainers, uh, Jay Demings who was with us, Sam Schultz was with us, and just the amount of fun that we had, it, it was, it was awesome. And on top of that, I don't I think our closest game was four points. Mm-hmm. So it, we really handled teams and played really well. 
had a great time, won a gold medal. Um, it felt like it was a big deal. I, I'll give the city of Amsterdam a lot of credit. The, the venue was terrific. It's a sellout. You know, you're talking about 3,500, 4,000 people at the game. Um, it, it was a really, really fun experience. So yeah. I, the Olympics are disappointing, but I'll always look back on the 2019 World Cup and be like, that, that was one of the, the more fun basketball deals I've been a part of. Yeah, for sure. I, is twenty twenty four Olympics a, a goal, or is that too far out? No, <laughs> that is that is not happening. Okay. I'll be on the golf course for sure. <laughs> there you go. Not a, also not a bad place to be. Well, you've also carved out a great niche for yourself, and just doing a fabulous job with the broadcasting as well. Let's talk about what kind of got you interested in, in doing that as well. Yeah, when I was in the NBA, they've got a great program called Sportscast for You. And it was, at the time, run through Syracuse. I think now it's at USC. Um, COVID has kind of put it on hiatus. I hope it goes back. So I think it's a good program. Um, but it was a weekend, crash course, all things broadcasting. And Matt Park, who was, is, well, not it was, is um, the voice of Syracuse men's basketball and football. He kind of ran the whole program, and they had a, a local news guy named Stephen Fonte who also came in and helped him out just so Matt wasn't <laughs> just destroying his voice. Um, because basically they would be either the studio hosts or they would be the play-by-play guy. And we called a game for TV. We called a game for radio. We did studio shows where we would just rotate, whether it was on the desk, off the desk. It's during the NBA Finals, so it would actually be like this week that we would have done it. There, We had, had a guy that was in front of a green screen, and he'd – be reporting as if he was out in front of at the time it was Oracle. Um, Cause I think the finals that year were, it was a uh, Cleveland and Golden state. So um, we basically just did the games like, like we were covering them and it was a really good crash course. I, I wouldn't say I, I didn't light the world on fire by any means, but I, I felt like I had room to improve and I, I enjoyed it. That was a great way to stay in the game. Um, and it, it also gave me some tape you know, some tape to watch. And then also, if you know, if you're going to get an ESPN audition or a Big Ten Network audition, you can dole it out. So I did that. And then I, I did the second iteration of that, which is at the University of Virginia at the NBA Players Association camp, where they have the top 100 high school players in the country come in and play. And the coaches are all NBA players and the announcers are NBA players. And they have a front office kind of symposium there. So it's all kind of learning it's it's a really good program that the nba has set up and i, I give the league a lot of credit um for as much talk as there is about not helping guys post playing career i do think the nba has done a nice job with some of the programs whether it's the they have an entrepreneurship one they have an international business one they have a franchise and restaurants one that you know, it's there's a lot of programs that if you're just willing to take the time and take advantage of they're free you know you just got to go and do them um, so I, that was a really important thing for me. And then I was playing in Milan for George Armani's team and I dislocated my shoulder and had to have surgery. I tore my labrum. So I came home and big to network kind of reached out and, you know, they're like, do you want to do some studio? <laughs> I was living at coach Painter's house doing rehab and helping with the team. And he was like, yeah, you should do it. Um, so he, he allowed me to both help out with the team and do TV. And I think that's where. You know, at the time, I was like, this is another catastrophic injury to my basketball career. This just keeps happening to me. But looking back, you know, from those 10 studio, I get great exposure on BTN. I find my agent through that because he's a Michigan grad, happened to be watching a game. And he reached out. And <laughs> it was funny. Somebody came up. It was probably after the second or third uh, time I did it. 
And one of the producers came up and was like, yeah, my friend, he's an agent for um, sportscasters. Would you want to talk to him? And in my mind, I'm thinking, this dude must rep the worst people. Because I've only been on TV three times, you know, he can't be good. And I looked up his client list and he had like Dan Dockage, Doris Burke, and Ian Eagle. It's like, all right, this guy's legit. So I met with him. Um, we agreed to stay in touch because I wasn't ready to, to stop playing yet. But, you know, looking back, that was really probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Um, was getting hurt because it allowed me to kind of get my foot in the door. And, you know, I'm looking at this now. I retired early. I think I stopped playing five on five at 28 or 29. You know, I was still, I had a pretty good year in Russia, shockingly, because my diet was abysmal. You know, I'd eat my feelings, practice it in. I'd be like, take me to Shake Shack. <laughs> I just crush a burger and fries and a Coke. Um, but I shot, I want to say, 48% from three. I averaged like 10 a game and I played well, um, but I just, I hated every day. You know, I just couldn't do it anymore. So it was, it was the right time because now I'm looking at all these guys that are my age that are retiring and trying to get into TV. And it's just a freaking onslaught of people who are trying to come in here. So I kind of feel like I beat the wave almost, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough competitive field to, to kind of get, get access to. Yeah, for sure. Man, that's so awesome. I love hearing the, the backstory, how this all came together. You mentioned getting to practice doing the NBA finals, but now you're you know, pretty much focused on the college game. Do you have a preference one over the other? I love college basketball. I, I always have since I was a kid, the NCAA tournament, you know, I was a ball boy for Homer Drew. Um, my two favorite players growing up were, were Bryce Drew and Michael Jordan. <laughs> so um, I, I have loved the college game since, since I can remember. Um, with that being said, I did six NBA games this year, filling in for the Bulls for Stacey King and Bill Wennington. And the level of play is not even in the ballpark. You know, it just, and I know that because I've played in the, in the NBA and I've seen it. But, you know, I think I did 80 games this year, 74 of them were college. Um, it's, it's just, you kind of get tunnel visioned into what you're watching, right? And as I'm doing these NBA games, it's just like, God, the college games can be a brick fest at times. They have a lot of misses. Um, those NBA dudes, they're, they're just – they're next level good. And I know there a lot of people criticize the NBA and say there's no defense. And To me, I'm just like that's an uninformed opinion. I, I could not disagree anymore because the guys are that good. It, it is a different level of skill. Think of every player in the NBA – his first team all league conference player of the year. And, and there's some guys that have kind of found their way that maybe were late bloomers that weren't that. And now are good, but it, it's, it's a different animal in the national basketball association. I, I wish people would appreciate some of the, the greatness that maybe have that cynical look at it. You watch a Steph Curry, um, you see a LeBron James or Kevin Durant. And those, those guys are incredible players. Did you have to guard any of those guys? Yeah. Uh, Durant, um, we, uh, <laughs> I, so my first, my first like couple games in the Timberwolves certainly were an eye opening experience. Um, the Thunder came in, and I'm a rookie, and I'm sitting next to Gorgie Dang, who played at Louisville, won a national title there. He's still in the NBA, he's had a really good career. Great guy. And we're sitting there, Corey Brewer is guarding Durant, and he's doing a really good job. And Durant's missed a couple of shots he normally makes early in the game. And he misses another one, and the ball kind of gets knocked out of bounds towards our bench. And Gorgie's like, good deep, bro. He <laughs> claps his hands. And Durant heard him, and he was like, it wasn't good deep, bro. It was bad effing shot, Kevin. And I'm like, 
All right, that's that's legit. So we're up eight points. We get the ball. Or excuse me. Yeah, we get the ball. We go down. We miss. They come back down. Durant drills a three and just stares Gorgie down the whole way. So now we're up five. We miss. They come back down. Durant gets the ball again. Drills a three. Stares Gorgie down the whole time as he runs back down the floor again. So now we're up two. Our eight point lead is evaporating. Um, we miss again. Stoppage in play in front of our bench, and Durant comes over and just verbally eviscerates Gorgie Dang. Like, I've never heard of you. What college did you play for? How are you? I mean, it's just like he's going nuts on him. Wow. And Gorgie's like, you don't, you don't want to know me. You don't want to – like, he's trying to – you know, he doesn't know what to say. Our assistant <laughs> coaches are yelling at him, shut up, Gorgie, stop stop talking to Kevin Durant. Like, he's like, dude, I'm not saying anything. I said good deep brew. So Durant gets the ball. It's a step back, fadeaway three. So he's on like a 9-0 run himself. Our eight-point lead is now a one-point deficit. And he beats his chest, and he's like, I'm a bad mother, and don't you ever forget it. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> like, I, I don't even know if I – do I want to get put in the game at this point? You know, like, because that's – I've never seen anybody like that. Just absolutely take something so basic as good D and turn it for motivation for himself and just totally use that and get himself going. And fast forward a couple months or a couple – actually, it was probably a month later. We're playing him again. And I'd moved into the rotation. I'm starting to play. I'm, I'm building confidence. And we had some guys that were hurt. Corey's guarding him again. And he gets his second foul. And I remember in my mind, so the first quarter, I'm like, dude, if Corey picks up his third foul, I'm looking down the bench. I think I'm going to be the one that has to go in here and guard him. And as soon as I thought that, whistle blows, third foul on Corey Brewer and I'll I never I'll never forget this because I just the feeling in my stomach I look down at the floor and Rick Adamant's like Rob you got him <laughs> and I I went in there and there was three minutes to go in the first quarter and and Durant and I played one-on-one for three consecutive minutes he started bringing the ball up he hadn't done that the whole whole game I mean it was like alarms were going off at the target center you know like rookie bum like he, he we were gonna play one-on-one the whole time I mean it was just and he's seven foot he's a seven foot two guard you know he's he's a beast so that was that was my experience of guarding guarding Kevin oh, Durant. that's awesome that's a fantastic story thanks for thanks for sharing that oh man did you score on him no, <laughs> no i did not i'm not sure i took a shot i mean he shot every time uh, i followed him shooting a three and he missed a couple of shots that he should have made I mean, it was not because of my defense. It was not good D Rob. Gorgie didn't say good D Rob. <laughs> no, thank God, no, no, he did not. Oh, that's awesome! I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, going back to the broadcasting real quick. Yeah, you're doing mostly, if I'm correct, mostly Big Ten games. Talk about, you know, obviously a conference you're very familiar with. Is there? A, I, I was always curious because I, you know, I listen closely when you're calling games, and I've got you know watch Purdue over the years. Uh, is it challenging calling a Purdue game and trying to, you know? Stay down the middle. I think the Purdue fans think that it's challenging for me <laughs> from the feedback that I get from them. Um, honestly, I call it as I see it, and I, I want it to be a good game. Mm-hmm. That, I would never say, do I want Matt Painter and Purdue and Purdue's players who I know to do well? Absolutely. But I also understand, you know, where I'm, my job is, who I'm getting paid by, um, you know, kind of what the deal is. So I understand that as well. Um, the hardest thing I think in terms of announcing is the officiating stuff. I have a monitor that's the size of my iPad and you know, it's you're on, you're on air. So you have to just make a judgment call. And there's times where you like, you see that again in a break and you're like, 
even I was wrong. And I got the benefit of instant replay, right? Like that, that happens. Um, I think that that's where a lot of the criticism comes for announcers is, is the calls. And I think the refs have an incredibly tough job. And I think it's really hard not just to know all the rules because they're constantly changing, but also just to kind of react to some of those replays that are, it's hard. You know, that, that to me is the hardest part of the job. And I think, you know, I've talked to some of the, the head of officials and whatnot, and I, I'm going to try actually to go. Um, I know the refs congregate in the summer and in the fall and they have clinics and they go over stuff. I'm going to try to go just because I think it could only help. Um, but that, that to me is the hardest part. And I think that's where a lot of, uh, you know, the criticism maybe lies. And also I would say with Purdue this year, the games I did other than the Illinois game at home, I don't think we played well in any of them. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, the Rutgers game, yeah. we didn't play all that well. And Ron Harper Jr. Makes the half court shot. I did the game at the Barclays center with NC state where, you know, we didn't play all that well there. We won, but it was like an incredible comeback in the last six minutes. Um, who else? You know, there was the Wisconsin double bank game. I don't think we played bad there, um, but, you know, they make two incredible shots. The Michigan State game on the road, we had every opportunity to win. But also you look at it, those are probably the best teams that we were playing. So there's no – I mean, it's hard to win in East Lansing. It's hard to win in, in Madison. Um, it's hard to win in Piscataway especially with the team that they had this year. That's a tough environment. So everybody thought that I was like the jinx or whatever, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, they're playing the best teams yeah. and it's in a lot of road venues. So it's, you know, <laughs> it's the Purdue criticism though, to me is the hardest because I, I expect it from other places. Hmm. I'm not surprised if an Illinois fan's like, Oh, this guy's calling Illinois Purdue. He's got to be biased. He played at Purdue. But I think when you hear it from your own fans who you've been, kind of ingrained with since 2006 when I committed that is hard to hear so that that's that's that was a challenge for me at times Susan, okay. I would say. sorry you're saying that they're criticizing the job you're doing or saying you're being what too hard on Purdue is being that... too hard on Purdue or you know like saying that I was trying so hard not to be biased against mm -hmm. their team that I'm now inherently biased against Purdue gotcha. <laughs> you can't win right <laughs> it's a it's a no-win situation yeah. Does uh, does Painter ever tell you not to criticize him on on TV? No, no, I, I'm I'm lucky because I know I've talked to some guys where they're like, man, my college coach, if I said something critical, would, would be on the phone with me. And I think you know with Coach Payne, I'm I think for the most part, you know, if I think that they're not playing hard, he'd probably agree. I think he's pretty subjective too, uh, and I think that he would encourage me to call it the way that I see it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you you know the game so well. Like I said, I think you're doing a, a terrific job with the broadcasting. Thank you. you know the game well. Is coaching something that's in the future, or you you want to stick to broadcasting? No, I mean, I'd never say never. I think that now watching the way that the landscape has changed in the last seven months, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, I would never say never. If the right opportunity presented itself, and I've had some opportunities here in the last couple of years to, to get into the field, um, but I really enjoy TV. And also, I, I really enjoyed uh, having my summers to kind of do whatever and not recruit, yeah. um, not deal with the transfer portal, not have to deal with NIL. Yeah. Um, but I would never want to say never because if the right thing came along, you know, who knows? All right. Right on. Well, you, you mentioned transfer portal and NIL. I don't want to take up too much time. So maybe we'll get into that at the end of the episode. If we still have some time, uh, we, I was going to mention too, you know, you know, people like Ryan Smith, some of your fellow uh, former teammates that are 
are starting to carve a niche for themselves in the coaching uh, ranks. And that's pretty awesome to see some of those guys. Uh, totally. So uh, real quick, also, uh, uh, as far as alongside the broadcasting, you're doing podcasting yourself as well with Jeff Goodman. Talk about yeah. how that started and just how much you're enjoying that. Yeah. You know, Jeff kind of came to me and asked if I'd want to do a podcast for the field of 68, which they started. Um, and it's really grown. Uh, they've done a really nice job of kind of building that, uh, whether it's the the national side or it's also the individual schools that have their podcasts. And, um, you know, I don't think, I, I don't believe Purdue had one this last year. I know Rayfield Davis did one the year before, but they've done a nice job of growing that. And I said, I'd be interested, but I didn't want to host it. I like to be like kind of the co-host, you know, like, and Jeff is perfect for that. because He's very comfortable doing it. And on top of that, it's an, Jeff's Rolodex is unbelievable. I mean, we, we've had coaches on there from, you know, who Jay Wright, um, you know, if Alabama has a good game, Hey, let's, let's get, uh, you know, let's, let's get their coach. Let's get Eric Musselman. It's just incredible the way that, that he's been able to, to do that. You know, whoever is playing well, let's get their coach on. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that the Rolodex he's got, even with players, you know, we've had great players that have come. We had Jaden this last year. Uh, we've had Luca Garza. We've had a lot of really good kids, good players come on the podcast. It's just, I thought it was a great way um, to, to meet coaches. You know, I, I mentioned Alabama. We, we had Nate Oates on and just, I've never met him. But now if I have a game of theirs, um, it's just, you're more comfortable because you've had that initial kind of interaction. I, I think that that's a really good thing. So I, I've, I've enjoyed doing it. Um, podcasting is, it's an hour commitment a week. You know, it's not, it's not anything crazy. It also, I think kind of helps me keep a national outlook. Cause I watch so much big 10. Um, so I think it is good to kind of, you know, <laughs> take a look at what's happening in the sec or the, yeah. the big 12 or the ACC or whatever conference. Yeah. For sure, man. It's been awesome. Yeah, I started the podcast uh, three years ago, I think just like a week or so ago with my three-year mark. Oh, nice. Congrats. Episode 150, as I mentioned off the top. It's just, it's, fan, it's fun. Yeah, you said it's, it's a couple-hour commitment, maybe a week uh, total for me at least. And it's, just, it's, it's so much fun just to especially, you know, talk about Purdue for, you know, uh, all this and just promote the Purdue, uh, Purdue brand. It's awesome. Yeah, so that's cool. You're doing a great job on that too. You know, one of my favorite episodes, you know, we just touched on this a minute ago, uh, briefly, the NIL and, and, and um, transfer portal that episode you guys had when you had hunter and coach paint and uh yeah um blank and that was all jeff i mean he gets well i'll take credit for getting coach paint <laughs> but um but he gets an agent you know he gets hunter mm -hmm. um he gets a mid-major coach just to get that perspective i i think that that was one of our better probably episodes that yeah. we've ever done because it was actually it wasn't just us screwing around <laughs> it was like yeah. an actual factual deal of, of kind of what is happening here yeah for sure man yeah that was very very interesting episode i enjoyed that one well I, again I, I know you got, uh you don't have a lot of time so i want to jump backwards in time now a little bit in your uh, purdue uh, playing career but if you don't mind like take me back to 2005 ish or so when you first hear from matt painter of course at that time you know the purdue program katie's just retired purdue programs kind of in the cellar at that, at that point as painters, you know, getting his, his program going, kind of talk about how that all started and, and Matt Painter reaching out to you. Yeah. So I, I remember I visited, I came down probably after the top 150 camp. I, I, as a sophomore at Valpo high school, I came off the bench. Um, so I didn't even get invited to the top 150 camp and my, my high school coach like begged me in. So somebody must've dropped out. I got the spot. 
and I played super well. And all of a sudden, like I go from, all right, I didn't even start. And now I was playing really well at the end of, of the year. You know, I'd come into the game and play 32, or let's see, the game's what, 32 minutes. So I'd play 28 minutes, but I didn't start. So I'd stay in for a lot. But I was playing my best basketball into the season. Um, but I played so well at that camp that all of a sudden that I'm being talked about as someone that's going to be ranked in the top five players in the state, you know, like I didn't even get invited and now I'm, you know, a top five player, which is funny. Um, how just being seen and maybe being in the Northwest part of the state where it's kind of away from Indianapolis can go against you. Um, but after that camp, they reached out, they started recruiting me. I visited Purdue and I remember they, they didn't offer me the first time that I visited. And, but the thing that I really appreciated about Coach Painter was that he was very honest about it. You know, he said he really liked me. They had an offer out to, I believe his name was Marcus Johnson out of Fort Wayne. Um, we ended up going to Tennessee and then NC State. Um, but that they wanted to still recruit me and that, you know, things change. They only, they only had three scholarships at that point in the class if Marcus Johnson was going to take that scholarship. So it ended up being four. Um, I ended up getting put on the SYF 17 and under team. So I played up with Etwan, um, which honestly was great for me because I ended up playing well, gaining confidence. You know, you're playing against the best players in the whole country. I look, I remember Nike camp. I'm playing three on three with Derek Rose. I'm, you know, five on five against Kevin Durant. That's a lot different than playing pickup at Valpo High School. <laughs> so um, it was a really good experience for me in terms of that. Um, and as I was getting recruited, I, I eventually got an offer. And actually, I, I had a visit to Purdue that was like terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Jawan Johnson and I were visiting, I think my, my junior year, and we're playing pickup right before a football game. And I actually, we were playing really well. Our team was winning, which usually the recruits that are on teams, their team loses and they just keep, but we were actually winning some games. And I got a steal and going to dunk. I got tackled into the bleachers. And one of the players was actually like, Welcome to the Big Ten. So I was like, I'm never going to Purdue. <laughs> and I will say Coach Payne did a good job of kind of clearing it up. And it it certainly could have been really bad, but it, it wasn't. And a lot of those guys that actually were a part of that weren't actually on the team when, when I got to Purdue. So was it was Nate just – Was it was Nate that? Minoy? Who was it, Nate Minoy? Nate Minoy tackled me into the bleachers, yes. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> And Gordon Watt said, welcome to the Big Ten with some other <laughs> words in there. So I was like, I'm never going there. Um, <laughs> but luckily, you know, things got better. And I, I'm I'm incredibly thankful uh, that I did end up at Purdue. And I, I will say, Etuan and I had some really good conversations uh, on AAU trips about playing in college together and going to school together and, and playing with him for, you know, four years was an awesome deal. And we knew Juwan fairly well from he was on a different AU team but from the junior all-stars and whatnot so it was it was really cool having that class of Scott myself each one and Juwan come to Purdue um, that, that was unfortunately Scott left but yeah. I was gonna say but, I, yeah. at the risk of getting booed by some of my listeners here talk about this that experience along with I mean your high school teammates also a top 150 guy also getting recruited and just talk about going through this process with I assume a good friend of yours at, yeah uh, no Scott and I are still definitely very close and um, it was tough when he transferred. I wanted to stay. Um, I was very surprised. I guess I'm an idiot <laughs> because I, I feel like my friends from high school knew and I was oblivious to this. Um, but yeah, Scott and I, since like third or fourth grade, whether it's soccer, basketball, we just, we were always playing together. So it was pretty cool to kind of get to go through that with them and 
and share the experience of, of kind of getting recruited and, and playing high level college basketball. And um, it was, it was unfortunate that he left, but that ended up being a good thing for him. You know, he'd been on staff at Notre Dame the last couple of years. I think he's going to do something else now, but um, we still see each other a good amount. We're still good friends. Um, I know Purdue fans would probably like us not to be, but <laughs> he, he's a really good guy. Um, and it, it worked out for him. He had a great career in Notre Dame. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, obviously, from the outside perspective, it's tough and disappointing, but you knew him better than anyone. So you understand, like you mentioned, sometimes it's the best decision for that person. Totally. You know, my only disappointment, all that was, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm an idiot, is I think another scholarship around that time that was because Scott was the last one to accept, wasn't he? He was, yeah. yeah. And Matt, Matt Howard. Matt Howard. <laughs> I think he would have been, he would have been probably, I don't want to say probably. But I know it would have been close. Yeah. It would have been really close. We could have used him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you always wonder what the trajectory would have been. Yeah. If, if Matt Howard yeah. was unfortunate, but that's, you know, we could play the what if game and that's, you know, we could waste a lot of time on that. But anyway, let's just talk about uh, you guys, you come in freshman year, you know, you know, expectations are maybe starting to rise, but, you know, maybe temper for your freshman year. You guys got off kind of, I think, a slow start, if I remember. But then things just took off. Talk about just, that whirlwind your freshman year and the baby boilers. Yeah. I mean, things were going really badly, <laughs> you know, like the, the water loss. Um, we lost to uh, Iowa state who got last in the big 12 out in Vegas. Then we beat Missouri state only because they missed a layup. I think we we won by one. Pretty sure they missed a layup at the buzzer, um, which would have been just a, a really bad loss. Um, then we come home and we're down 17, zero to Florida international um with like eight minutes to go in the first half i remember Juwan missed the front end of a one-on-one that would have been our first points with like nine minutes to play and just the groan and Mackie that you can hear now eventually we scored and thank god we won that game because again you're looking at a really bad loss but we were not playing well um we let some games kind of slip away too we played pretty well at missouri um and they they got us at the end of the game they went on like a 10-0 run to win um we could have won at Clemson and we didn't, unfortunately. Um, so we had some opportunities. We did beat Louisville, which was good. And they had like everybody suspended. Derek character suspended. Juan Palacios was hurt. Uh, David Padgett was hurt. So like they weren't the same team of, of talent and they still had some good players, but um, yeah, things were not going great. It's just amazing how it was like a, a, a light switch just got flipped. You know, it was incredible. And to me, my, the freshman year was the most fun because the expectations were zero. So then all of a sudden, you know, we're losing and then we, we just figured it out. I have no idea how or why. Um, Keaton Grant had a really good year that season. Etwan, I think conditioning had him so beat down and he finally kind of found his legs and started playing better. I certainly played a lot better after New Year's, but we, we beat Michigan at home and Michigan was just okay. Went to Michigan State and uh played them really tough and then we rattled off like nine or ten games in a row and it was just like this is awesome <laughs> you know, like we're beating wisconsin at home and storming having the court storm we're winning at wisconsin we're beating michigan state at home and you know just all of a sudden to go from kind of an afterthought in the league to all of a sudden we can win the conference and you know the tv crews are looking a little different with brent musburger and aaron andrews and steve lavin than what we were having back in you know november and december it was just it was a really cool experience and just a, a it was such a fun year um to kind of go through that and what a young team we had 
you know, Chris Kramer's a sophomore, Keaton Grant's a sophomore, myself, Scott, uh, Jawan, Etwan, really Marcus Green and Terrence Crump were the only two guys that were upperclassmen to play. Um, so it was just, it was kind of, it was a surprise. But at the same time, I think the fact that, you know, we played together so much really helped us. And our class was so strong. You, know, you look at the top 150 of the class of 07. Evan Turner is like the 60th best player. He made like $175 million playing playing professional basketball. You know, the top 10 is like Derek Rose, Eric Gordon, Kevin Love, Michael Beasley, Kyle Singler, James Harden. Yeah, it's just, it's pro, 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 pro. There's so many. The level of competition, if you were playing on that circuit, was just ridiculously high. Yeah. And if you played up, you're talking about Greg Oden and Mike Conley, and I mean, two back-to-back classes that were just loaded with players. So when you got to college, not that it wasn't a, a different level, because it was, and the physicality and the strength and conditioning that you need to play at that level, it, it's whether you go from high school to college, college to pro, it, it's going to be a jump. Yeah, but I felt like we were pretty well prepared just because of the fact that we'd been seeing guys that were Derek Rose is a generational player yeah. and Michael Beasley was a generational player. They, they just Kevin Durant, generational player. Those guys, they they were incredible talents at that level. And some of them have panned out and some of them, you know, Michael Beasley, you could probably make the case that he's been more disappointed. That doesn't mean he wasn't super talented, super good in high school. Yeah, for sure. It, it, you Man, I'll never forget that year too. In that run, we were talking earlier about you know trying to be non-biased while doing your professional job. I was still a videographer at that time for our, uh, for the Fox affiliate here in Indianapolis, and uh, I'm shooting that Michigan State game uh, at home in Mackey. And one of my favorite plays of all time, and I've heard you talk about this play too, when an unnamed player airballs a three-pointer, you catch the you catch the airball, pass it to Keaton Grant, he finds you back in the corner and hits that three. And I'll just never forget that play for several reasons. One. I, so it was a fascinating play Two, I'm shooting that game and I go back and watch the broadcast later. And you see me in the background of that whole play <laughs> with my camera following you catching the rebound, getting the ball back and hitting the shot and, you know, trying to, you know, keep myself from celebrating as I'm <laughs> trying to do my, my job professionally. And I just remember texting my, uh, my good friend and former roommate, Chris Froyland, just being like, Oh my God, Purdue basketball is back. And I just remember that excitement also trying to be professional, but, <laughs> game in a play I'll, I'll never forget I just it was, it was so awesome <laughs> no that that was a it is a unique play you know it's it's one of those deals too where it's like I'm pretty well boxed out the only rebound I'm getting is the air ball <laughs> you know like you can't blame Goran Sutan in that situation and it just it, it's one of those freak plays that works out I have no idea if my feet are actually set back in the corner <laughs> they could I probably could be out of bounds but yeah. <laughs> we'll just say I'm not yeah, there was a replay then, so yeah, it was it was clear. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, that play, that was play, awesome. Well, I know we could literally spend hours talking about each season of your career, but was kind of, we'll kind of just fast forward through here. Just talk about all the, you know, changing the culture of Purdue basketball, bringing it back to, you know, where it is now, where there's just so much excitement around the program, and just, you know, your, kind of your career at Purdue, the ups and downs, and just what you, you know, remember looking back. Yeah, I mean, I, I credit Coach Painter for bringing the culture back from probably it had slipped a little bit maybe at the end of coach katie's tenure there and, and coach katie's a legend uh, the job he did at purdue is, is phenomenal but I, the end probably wasn't up to the standards that he had set um, and i'm sure that he would probably say the same thing um but coach Payne, i think the job that he's done and it helps that he's a part of you know kind of the past of purdue basketball as well but he has bridged the gap from you know 
the 70s, 60s, 70s on to today. And I think the alumni games that we have and, and the stuff that he's put together and the fact that we've only had two coaches since, what, like 1983 or whatever the year was, it, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, so I think that we're very fortunate uh, to have him as the head coach at Purdue. Um, and I guess when I look back, there's so many amazing memories. I, I played with great guys, um, guys that cared about each other, guys that wanted to win for each other, wanted to win for Coach Painter, wanted to win for our school. Uh, and I think that's what makes it so disappointing that our group wasn't able to make it to the Final Four. And not even just not make it, but not even get a chance. You know, if, if you go out there and you lose, I look at like Virginia losing to a 16th seed. At least they got to play the game with their mm -hmm. full roster. So I, I think that's what's disappointing for myself and for our group is that we didn't get a chance at full strength to go out there and, and that team my junior year was as good as any team that I ever played on. It was complete. We had three guys that could really score. We had a defensive player in the league. We had Keaton Grant's 1,000-point score. Kelsey Barlow's all-freshman team. Lewis Jackson's a really good point guard that was getting healthy. Um, so that's that's really disappointing. That, that team was really, really good. And you, you're not really good if you're going to beat teams like Tennessee, top 10 team on a neutral floor, and go to East Lansing and, and win and go to, you know, Ohio State and win and go to Indiana and win. You win at those places, you, you have to be good. Um, but, yeah, I, I played with great people. I played for great people. The assistants that we had at Purdue were phenomenal and people that I still talk to um, quite a bit. Um, and then just the overall student experience. It's, it's a great place to go to school. Um, you know, I've met so many people at Purdue that I still consider really good friends. Um, just the – everybody's experience that goes there. I know you, you know all about that. And yeah. anyone that goes to school at Purdue, I feel like has that, that love for the university. So I, I'm very fortunate. I'm, I'm very thankful that, uh, that I get to be a part of that. Yeah, for sure, man. That, yeah, that, yeah, that 2010 team, which I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a better college basketball team that I've got to watch, you know, as much as I, you know, watch college basketball and just, you know, obviously unfortunate circumstances happen, but uh, you guys, that, that team certainly could have won, the national championship. Yeah. No, no. awesome. And I, I think that we definitely could have won it all. I, I, I think that wasn't something that could have been in the cards for that group. That would have been awesome to see a Butler, you know, who knows what, what would happen with Butler if you guys are making a run, but wouldn't that have been an incredible Butler Purdue? Uh, <laughs> in Indianapolis. Yes. That would have been a crazy deal. Oh my gosh. That would have been so awesome. Um, it's just kind of, as you're, you know, you're, you know, as we're wrapping up here a little bit, uh, you, you look back, you mentioned uh, that just a great job painters done. Talk about the current state of Purdue. Uh, you know, obviously they're going to—they're losing quite a few guys this year, and a couple of people have transferred as well. Um, you know, your thoughts as they kind of go into next season and this challenge of the transfer portal. You know, right now who's our starting point guard next year? Is you kind of look yeah. at obviously Painter's. You, you, we should never doubt Matt Painter. Obviously, he's he's done an incredible job, and he'll find somebody, and we, we'll go with we'll run with who we got. But just talk about the current state of Purdue basketball. Yeah, no, I, I think you, you look at last season and. I think I read the coach paints of this where they, they kind of had a little bit of an empty feeling because they didn't win the big 10. They didn't win the big 10 tournament and they had opportunities to do so. And then you, you lose in the sweet 16 to St. Peter's. Um, Jaden Ivy is an incredible talent. He's going to be picked in the lottery, which we haven't had since Glenn Robinson, um, which I think can only help Purdue. I mean, you have players like that, that, that high school kids look at and say, man, I want to be the next Jaden Ivy. <laughs> I want to be the next Jay Ivy too. <laughs> I wish at age 33 that I could have that uh, burst and bounce. Um, but I think that that's something that they can, they can certainly use to their advantage um, in terms of recruiting. 
the NIL stuff has probably been disappointing um, with the transfer portal. Uh, and I think that their Purdue will continue to work towards, um, I guess, being more prepared. I guess maybe the word for that um, as things kind of get going here. And, and this is the new reality of what the sport is. We'll see if the NCAA changes what's currently possible, which I think that they will, uh, or they'll try. <laughs> Who knows if they will. Um but yeah, I, the, the point guard situation is going to be interesting. You you play a freshman at the point. That, that certainly is something that looks like maybe right now is going to have to happen a little bit. Yeah. Um, Eric Hunter, I think this is kind of the name of the game where you play your four years here, and it's unusual last year no one transfers. That's that's not the norm. I think that this is just kind of something that fans will have to get used to, and it, it, it just is what it is, right? So I think that there's there's – there's one thing that I do know, and it is something that we dealt with too when we came in. There is opportunity. Mm. So if you're if you're a Fletcher lawyer, um, you have some of these freshmen coming in. There are minutes to be had. So I think that that's that's the way that you got to look at it. And maybe you're going to be depending on some freshmen here to to carry the load here at the point guard spot. Yeah, for sure, man. I, uh, you'll know this. You know this kid well. The guy I'm, I think I'm most excited for. You talk about opportunities. Is is Brandon Newman? Yeah, totally. Of all the people, if you would have probably, you know, put a betting line on who was leaving Purdue after last season, I bet most people would have bet on Brandon Newman. He's the guy who sticks around, is working his tail off up there, and I hope it it pays off, and I hope he gets, you know. No, just- I, I totally agree with you. I, I I think that there's a lot of kids that would just be like, I'm out of here, new situation. And I think he'd, he'd be a guy that he's shown enough to where he could transfer in people that are high major programs want him. Yeah. Um, but he's going to stick it out. I think that usually guys that stick it out, good things come to him. And he's shown that he can be a very productive player at this level. Um, I think that he's one of those guys that has to get better off the ball defensively. You cannot get lost. And honestly, let's be real. If you're going to play for Coach Payne, you got to be able to guard your man. Like that's. Um, I know this last year, maybe defensively, it wasn't up to the standards that we've seen uh, in past Purdue teams. Um but you, you got to be with it off the basketball. I think shot selection is something that you got to also take into account. Um, but he's going to have every opportunity to succeed. I know he's going to work hard. I know he's a good kid. Uh, and I think it was really cool to see at the Big Ten tournament, we were doing the game against yeah. Penn State to have him come in and impact the game like that. Yeah. And, and see the way that the crowd reacted to him, too. Yeah. You know, they, they really responded to him. And I thought that – and we're from the same place. He's a Vapo guy, so I always root for him for that reason. Yeah. Uh, my mom actually had him at the middle school. <laughs> so um, I, I, I hope Brandon has a great season. I think he's going to have a great season. I, I think so, too. And I, I think – I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be more happy for him than the Purdue fans. I mean, like, he just – he has worked hard, and he, I think he deserves it. Yeah, I'd love to see yep. him in all Big Ten season this year. No, I agree. The opportunity will be there. You mentioned Ivy uh, – you know, obviously, I think he's a top five pick. Um, but the, one of my all-time favorite guys, you know, you, know, you Chris Kramer, and, and Trevion Williams are probably my top three Purdue players of all time that I've gotten to watch play personally. And I, I love watching Trevion Williams play, and it's awesome just to see he's had an awesome draft combine. He's had great work yeah. for teams. He looks and like he's in great shape. He looks incredible shape. I, I hope this guy. I mean, I think it's still at this point a second-round pick, but. I mean, some team is going to be, I think, really lucky to get him. He can really pass. I, I think the question for Travion is going to be, what position does he guard? Yeah. You know, can he guard on the perimeter? You look at like a Draymond Green, 
He's a little taller than Draymond. Draymond's only probably six, five, six, six. Um, Travion's, what did he measure out at? Six, eight and a half? I think so. Yeah. So Travion's my height. Uh, you know, can he guard on the perimeter? That'll certainly, if he can, that'll, that'll really help him. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. He's just such a fascinating prospect in the sense that, you know, can he develop that ability to shoot it like a David West, you know? Can, and now that the three-point line is so important, it'll be it'll be an interesting journey for him. I, I, I'm rooting for him, too. I think he's a great kid. I think he, he's a guy that sacrificed for the team at the highest level, um, even though he's uber-talented. I mean, you're an all-Big Ten player. A lot of guys be like, I'm not starting. Then don't even put me in the game. You know, like, very unselfish for him to do that with Zach. Um, last year but yeah he will he will have an interesting kind of couple weeks here I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where he falls awesome for sure uh watch the NBA finals uh Boston's up 2-1 you gotta who do you think honestly gonna... we had a two-a-day yesterday I was asleep at 9 45 <laughs> so which is the definition of being an old man but I just <laughs> I was gassed from playing and I'm guessing that uh when's the next game Friday Friday night if I'm still here, I might not make it to that either. So I, I wish I could give you something, but I have not watched. Yeah, these, these start times are way too late. And, and uh, Yeah, we're on Eastern time here in North Carolina. So yeah. 9 o'clock. It's like these games are until midnight. Yeah. Hey, as we wrap up real quick, I, I don't want to uh, steal any thunder from my, my friend uh, Ryan Kay here, but last year you had the experience of the men of Mackey. Talk about how that came about and uh, if this year is in the cards, if you're allowed to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan, he's been great. I mean, he is so organized. He, he puts on a first-class deal um, for the TBT, you know, the hotels and the food and practice, all that. He does a good job of um, understanding that I like to play golf. So he, he mixes – he likes to play golf too. So he mixes that in. Um, I don't know if I could say we're in, we're in negotiation. We'll say that we're in negotiation, but um, I really enjoyed it. I, you know, I think that it was fun to be back with all these Purdue guys and, and get to, to play with guys that I really enjoy playing with. Um, I will say I'm, I'm working on some other guys. Kramer got hurt. So he's unfortunately out, but we're going to try to work on Juwan Johnson and see if we can get him. That would be awesome. That would be cool. And Hey, if uh, I, I know Etwan was still on an active NBA roster this year, I don't know what his plans are this off season, but man, we bring the, the big three back together. <laughs> that would be sweet. That would be sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Robbie, I know you. I don't want to take up any more of your time. I've been so appreciative of you coming on the podcast. As we're wrapping up, anything else you want to note about Purdue or just your career? Um, I think we hit pretty much everything. <laughs> I, I think I'm good to go. Awesome. Like I said, I could talk to you for hours. I love talking. Pretty basketball. I love talking to, uh, to you. It's been uh, great getting to chat with you a little bit, and uh, you dealing with my nagging and stuff. I get no, not so, sorry. I, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy awesome. to do any Purdue podcast. Awesome. Well, hopefully we can do it again down the road, uh, and hopefully get to uh, see you up at Purdue at some time here in the future. And uh, man, thank you so much. Uh, just it, it's been it was an absolute joy watching you play basketball at Purdue and just representing the program and just a, a class act and just again, like I mentioned earlier, just changing that helping being a part of changing that culture uh, for Purdue basketball. So no, thank, thank you for you. saying that. I appreciate that. Thank you for being just a great ambassador for the university and just everything you've done to uh, represent uh, Purdue well. And I just continue uh, wish you well on your career. It's been awesome watching you broadcasting as well. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Boiler up. Boiler up. A reminder, you can follow the full steam ahead podcast on Twitter at full steam pod. And you can always listen to like, 
comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and tune in. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.